Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We use a roll-in. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hello, you too. This is B12 Simon. Thank you. I was so incredibly sad to hear the news about Ted. Um, Ted was such an important part of my Archer's journey as Nick. Um, with Joe and Nick having a really lovely relationship that developed over a really long period of time, uh, from me first being introduced into the Grundies and then having Bartleby and Joe at my wedding, um, all the way through to those very, very last scenes. Um, Ted was a brilliant, brilliant actor, a total gentleman, um, modest, so modest about his talents, and Barry and I were always quite obsessed with him being Danger Mouse. He'd always used to shrug it off all the time. Um but yeah, the last week, uh, my very last week in the show, Ted was exceptionally kind to me. I remember um, recording the final scenes and he'd been so lovely and supportive. And we had, it was actually the scene where um, we were dancing. And I remember uh, Peter Leslie Wilde, who's directing, said, it sounds like these are Joe's last scenes. It, people are going to think it, it's Joe's kind of final hurrah. Mm. And I thought, God, I can't imagine the Archers without without Joe Grundy. I can't imagine what that would be like. Um, but it makes my memories of that time you know, very, very bittersweet. Um, and then there was, of course, my very final scenes. And, you know, Ted was a consummate professional and did such a wonderful job and gave me an amazing send-off, um, certainly as a scene partner. Um, but he'd be very, very, very much missed. Um, he was so kind and he... he um, even when I did the Today Show, emailed me to tell me that I'd done the show proud. Um, and I was incredibly touched by that. And I've even, for a long time after, a bottle, he gave me a bottle of wine with, um, with a, a nice note on the label. And even after all the wine was gone, I still kept that bottle for quite a long time because it was from Ted. Um, he was unique and he was one of a kind. It was a privilege to work with him and he will be so, so missed. And I don't think the show will be the same. Wherever you are, Ted. Cheers to you. 
uh, folks. We just thought oh. we'd put that uh, tribute in from Becky Wright, who of course played Nick Grundy, because she didn't quite get it in time for last week's show, and it meant a lot to her to uh, give Edward, uh, commonly known as Ted, um, a bit of a, a tribute and a send-off. So we thought we'd put that in this week's show, folks, because this is Dumby Dum, the show about the reality ducky drama that are centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the beautiful piece of craft that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the hunk of mouldy needlework that is... Lucy Freeman. Chunk, I'm not the... hunk. I'm not a oh. hunk. I'm a chunk. Are you? <laughs> And the last part of the lesser spotted bunting folks is you. Now, this week's Dumby Dum is from B12 Simon, who's from Portal Heath. Can mm-hmm. I just say that I tweeted this? I think B12 Simon really sounds like Jake Thackeray, um, who was a, he was, used to be called the English Jacques Brel, and he sang amazing songs. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, and he really, his voice really, really sounds like him, I think. Anyway, that's it. Carry on. Right, I will. Now, Lucy, if someone uh-huh. would like to send us in a dum-de-dum and sing a little bit like Jack Braille <laughs> or B12 Simon channeling Jack Braille, um, how can they do that? If you would like to sing us a dum-de-dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203-0313-105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups. Thanks for doing the dumpty dogs. Shambridge for her brilliant voices. Mike Hatton for his character counts. And to Derek, the bone loan of the back bedroom. Uh, Derek is delighted about the royal baby news, as always. And uh, as Nicholas Witchell mentioned that he thought the baby's name would be something that suggested its Anglo-American roots, he would like to suggest Brexit chaos, Trump, Markle, Windsor. <laughs> Sounds very apt. Now, on this week's episode, here views from Claire, Magic at Mungo's, Jenna, Joshua, Tony, James, and our Vicky. It gives us somewhat of a on-the-spot report. But first, before all of that good stuff, it's our Lucy and a week in Ambridge. Well, sadly, this week mostly featured me shouting, what, this is insane, at the radio. But anyway, we began the week doing the cricket teas with Mia and Clary, as Mia had a spare 10 minutes before she started lagging the loft. Irritatingly, the the scriptwriters decided to use that really annoying device again of one person trying to say something and the other person not listening. Then they used it again 10 minutes later with Shula and Alistair. This only happens with people who don't know each other. Family members will say, no, shush, I need to tell you this. For the love of God, stop doing it, scriptwriters. Shula spent the day trotting around after Alistair, who'd forgotten his box, which is obviously an essential when you're going to do anything as potentially hazardous as talking to Shula. She told him she was desperate to do an art project. Oh, goody, goody. Art always works really well on the radio. Tom is trying to get in touch with Natasha, the bride of Instagram. There is nothing in particular he wants to say to her. He just wants to check because uh, he thinks she might have gone off with his bollocks in her handbag. And (laughs) Jolene was back from her tour of One Night with Bin Fuckley. And judging by her entirely manic demeanor, (laughs) she's either been hitting the hokey cokey or the espresso. Apparently, there was an after-show scene, parties and drinks. This is madness. The only after-show scene after a pub gig is putting your trainers back on in the loos, which double as the green room, helping Darren load the van and trying to find out whether the nearest curry house is still serving, and if not, if the petrol station does pasties. There is nothing, nothing, that requires you to change your hair colour. The madness continued. All of a sudden, she decides to be a session singer. 
She's been banging on about being a singer for 134 years. She uses her stage name as her actual name for crying out loud. For those that don't know, Jolene's real name is Mr. Eric Ferris. So how come it never once crossed her mind that she might do a bit of, oh, I don't know, singing? Once I'm set up, the bookings will roll in, she said. Based on what? Has she been going to the Tom Archer Business School? If she has, then Freddie's also a graduate. He's decided to expose hitherto unseen areas of Lower Loxley to a totally uninterested public. This is the very sleeping bag in which my mum rogered her assistant manager. And here you can see the windowsill, on which my cousin very nearly took a header from because I'd loaded her up with dodgy ease. Are you all members of English heritage? (laughs) It's not an entirely terrible idea, I suppose, but he demanded a family meeting. Sounding familiar yet? Took a huge amount of time to get to the point. Oh, yes, this is ringing bells. Declared it to be a surefire success based on research consisting of one man being mildly interested. Bingo! And then when they'd all talked about it and said, well, it sounds all right, shouted, but we need to talk about it, which is exactly what they were doing. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's like there's a Tom Archer fungus spreading all over the village like woodworm. It's going through the ancient timbers of the bull into the eaves of Lower Loxley. If Alan suddenly announces he's going to broaden his market share and diversify by using St. Stephen's to do goat yoga on a Saturday afternoon, I'm going to stop listening. The whole village needs spraying with some sort of anti-bridge farm fungicide. (coughs) Sorry, I'm joking. I can hear you. Happily, the Lower Loxley family meeting was interrupted by a bailiff. It never occurred to me that a bailiff <laughs> might be a woman. I quite fancy being a bailiff now. I know how to do it. Having listened to that episode, you just say, we are from the high court. We are going to take control of your goods. We need the payment in full with no expression whatsoever. I can do that. Easy peasy. Talking at Bridge Farm, Tom and Helen had a brittle, bright conversation about how spectacularly they were lying to each other. Completely normal and fine, and the fact that I never go out, never see anyone except my mother and my children, and spend all day every day up to my elbows in cheese makes me very happy. Tom, and you? How is your lovely wife? That's her in the corner in the rocking chair, wrapped in a blanket, said Tom hurriedly. You can just see her ugg boots poking out. Anyway, I'm in a very good place at the moment because the Borchester Echo is doing a feature on the launch of my app. Now, this right here, ladies and gentlemen was one of the points at which I shouted rude things at the radio. For the love of Mm. God, an app. I did a launch for something in Taunton once, and we had Gok Wan there, and the local press couldn't be bothered to come. Why would they want to leave the office to watch Tom Archer hunched (laughs) over his phone, muttering, so if you want leaks, you press the picture of the leak like this. Oh, no, hang on. Oh, my God, we're out of leaks. (laughs) The meeting about the art thing in the church was not the greatest success ever either. They all got their art credential willies out, basically apart from Leonard, who couldn't get the top of his felt tip off. I hope Leonard wasn't (laughs) planning on stopping seeing Jill ever, as he's now enmeshed in the village so firmly it's going to take some sort of dredging outfit to remove him. He's on a committee. This means he's practically a village elder. He has taken notes and written on a whiteboard. Admittedly, the conversation was moving a little too fast for him, so what he wrote on the whiteboard was absolute rubbish. But still, Linda's idea for the spot of art was a massive pair of feet, ideally Joe Grundy's post-pedicure as some sort of tribute. Truss wanted the stations of the cross all round the green, but Jimmus just wanted anything that was going to piss Shula off. What everyone really wants (laughs) is an oiled-up Chris Carter dangling from the cross again. He's going to be captain of the cricket team, so he may as well slum it and play Jesus as well. 
Now, much as I love Ed, he does take imbecility to new levels. Instead of running screaming from Timote, he seems to be taking it entirely in his stride that his new job involves meeting terrifying people on slip roads in the dark. No one's going to endorse you for that on LinkedIn, Ed. Even Lady Emma Macbeth might be questioning your involvement if she knew that's what you were doing. If what they're transporting is fertilizer, I am a tea room Eccles cake. Chemicals? Yes. Fertilizer? No. Jazza has taken on the pee <laughs> at the tea shop. They seem to be doing a roaring trade in sticky buns, but I'm slightly worried they weren't sticky till Jazza got his mitts on them. Anyway, the good news is he's going to sue Tom, making his dismissal the only constructive thing that's happened in Bridge Farm for a very long time. <laughs> but the real meat of the week took place at Gamekeeper's Cottage. Georgie, mm. the criminal mastermind of Ambridge, has got away with it again. Bunting and Cecil Jackson's underpants today, mysterious boxes, mysterious boxes and a baseball bat in a van tomorrow. When in actual fact, the real problem lay with poor Mia, trying to haul herself out from under a legacy of generations worth of Grundy women, being long-suffering, capable and practical, protecting their utterly useless menfolk from harm or blame. Don't blame yourself, William, said Clary. Yes, do, William. Blame yourself, because it's your bloody fault. The end. Oh, goodness. Harsh, but very true. <laughs> right at the end, our oh, Lucy. Mm. <laughs> I did love that um, that scene with Mia, but uh, people do talk about that. Our caller inners do talk about uh, Mia, and I think it was a focal point of caller inners uh, this week. So why don't we, instead of us na- uh, chatting about it, do a bit of this? Hello, Ambridge 3962. Um, do you fancy going to Colombo? Hello, everyone. This is Vicky Cole in Colombo. Um, you'll all have heard about the desperate things that have been going on here. I was actually in the UK when the attacks happened on Easter Sunday, but I came back here a week later. Things are trying to return to normal here, but there's obviously a lot of sadness and tension still here. We're advised to stay home most of the time, um, avoid churches, hotels, public places, big gatherings. It's all really, really sad. And um, with the Foreign Office Travel Advisory, it's going to decimate tourism here. So if anybody's contemplating a fancy holiday, you know, give it a few months for the dust to settle. But please, please come to this beautiful country. It's got so much to offer. And we could even have a mini tropical Dumpty Dum meetup. How cool would that be? I've been thinking all week about what to say about the archers. <laughs> and I was going to talk about Mia. Um, I'm so pleased, a bit surprised, that they've resolved the storyline um, and made her experiences and feelings clear to Clary and Will now. I'm really glad they did it quickly because um, you can imagine we're all in a slightly frail frame of mind here and this sort of ongoing anguish of a teenage girl who loves her sister and is just trying to do the best for her. I mean, it was heartbreaking. So I'm pleased that they've resolved it, and I hope that Will, it's it's the wake-up call that Will needs. I, I hope he does handle this properly. Um, and the other thing I was going to say was to wish you all the most fabulous weekend in Birmingham. I'm sorry the recording has ah. had to be delayed, yeah. but hopefully some of you will um, be able to meet up anyway and just have a lovely Archer's Dumpty Dum time. Anyway, lots of love to everyone. Bye now. Bye. Uh uh, Vicky, fundamentally disagree the premise of, of, of what you said there because storyline's not resolved. What what's happened is that 
uh, Clary and Will are aware of the pressure that she's yeah. under, but it's not resolved. Um, I just thought that Molly Pipe, who's the actress that plays um, little Mia, was just absolutely cracking. I was in tears listening to her. Mm. I thought it was the most wonderful piece of acting. And um, the way it all came out in a big, you know, ill thought out, just blollop because she'd been casting it around with her for so long. And, mm. you know, when she said, I was trying to protect Will and, you know, and poor little Parpy not getting her money for a book <laughs> and all that, yeah. you know, there is a way, you know, when I, when I was, um, <clears throat> used to go, when I was a governor, I used to go on school trips at the primary school. Some of the teachers would bring along extra packed lunches because they knew there was always one kid whose parent would forget. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, it's horrible to be that kid. And everyone knows who that kid is as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's horrible to be that kid. And, um, uh, it's also horrible to be that kid's parent when it's pointed out to you. So, you know, I just felt much as I still want to bash William in the face. Um, I did just feel sorry for all of them, you know, and then he said, I can't remember every little thing. And you think, well, tough tip. You have to, that's your job. You do have to remember every little thing because you're a parent and that's what they do. No, uh, completely. And, and and the fact is that Nick parented him because he's a he's a childish idiot. Um, so he feels like he's lost his mum now as well. I don't know if I'd quite say that she parented him, but what they did have was a very old-fashioned, stereotypical, gender-defined marriage mm. is what they had, where he went out, did his thing, and then he came back and the house, the home was all sorted for him and mm. he was tasked with su supplying the cash. In a traditional sense, Nick didn't parent uh, Will, but it was gender-defined, classically stereotypical from eons ago, that's the way that they rolled. And because he is a sexist pig, what he sees is a child who he loves and cares for, but he sees a female. And dare I say, you said it in your monologue, that um, he sees a female Grundy. So, yeah. and what they do is they just sort out the kitchen and they sort out all of that stuff. So basically, he can do naff all. And yeah, I, I was just horrified when she was doing the sandwiches. Yeah, you know, me too. Of, and then he had the cheek to say, I hope you haven't left your, I hope you haven't left your homework till the last minute. And I thought, of course she has, because she's bloody doing everything else, you yeah. twat. Oh. But that's the reason why this storyline is, is not resolved, because we know there was, um, was it the week before, when um, Will has let go of somebody, hasn't he, who helps him, um, at the, you know. Pete. Being a game, yeah, somebody who we've never heard of before. So, and that's through his own belligerence and just, you know, just, Tom fucking foolery that he's gone and done yeah. that. He heaping more pressure on himself. And even Eddie said, well, you know, if that's the reason why you've let him go, I can't remember exactly the reason. Um, you know, I'm ashamed of you, son. You know, because basically Will can't hold out a hand, actually, and say that he needs help. He does it begrudgingly with his mother there's always some point of crisis and whatever and and he has to have some some mini um 
aggressive defensive wall put up against it. I'm mixing all, all of my adjectives there. Aggressive <laughs> and defensive. But, but you know what I mean, though. The way how he protects himself is actually to go out um, and, and to attack. And But the only person that can unlock that the key to Will Grundy is actually Clary. And she does it so gingerly each time. Uh, so, Vicky, it's not resolved at all. Um, and we wouldn't have had mention of a math tutor if the whole situation is going to be resolved. You know, th- that math tutor would not have even been mentioned. So it's not resolved, but at least on the face of it, uh, Clary and uh, Will are now aware that there is uh, an issue. Now, so that's Vicky and Colombo. And from Vicky, we go to James. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. James here. Uh, just calling with response to Friday night's episode, I believe, where Mia excellently acted that scene yeah. in front of Clary and Will. Uh, I suspect lots of people will be commenting on how nobody from the wider family, so Clary or Emma, noticed what was going on. And yeah, I think that that's definitely a flaw in, in the plot. But I'm a bit concerned in later episodes that, based on Clary's reaction on Friday, Will's almost going to get away with it. Mm. And he can play the sympathy card, and I thought you liked helping out, and all of that nonsense. Somebody should have words, to say the least, because it's not really acceptable the way that he's been treating Mia. But I suspect that, following what happened with Nick, everybody will allow him to play the grieving husband, and it's not your fault. I'm sorry, but it is. It, It just is. Anyway, keep up the good work. Sorry not to be at Dumpty Dum Live, but have a great time anyway. Bye. Bye. Mm. Well, you might be at Dumpty Dum Live now because it's now the 9th of November. Absolutely. Uh, and just whilst we're on that point, if you have bought a ticket for dinner because you are going to the BBC tour, which is still on, dinner is still on also. And um, as and as uh, Lucy has said, if you bought a ticket for the Dumpty Dum this weekend, which is the 11th of May, uh, it is still valid for... Uh, the rescheduled recording, which is the 9th of November. Um, Roy again, Field, I just... Roy, F- Roy Field, it's thundering. What, what's here. thundering? It, the sky is thundering. Am I going to get blown up through my headphones or something? <laughs> uh, well, for thunder, no. Lightning, if it hits you, yes. Yeah. No, I meant, well, if there's thunder, there's lightning, isn't there? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any. But I am in a right. little hut at the end of the garden. I'm a bit worried. It'll be a spectacular podcast if you get zapped. Gonna... <laughs> It'll be a ratings winner, Lucy. So as much as I want you to Is be that... safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is nothing compared with the possible Metro headlines you're already seeing. Archer's podcast are fried to crisp under headphones. Could you imagine? Number one in those iTunes charts. <laughs> you're like that guy when, when he heard that he's a, he was a theatrical agent and when he heard that Elvis had died, said, what mm. a career move. <laughs> right from james and uh, mentions of elvis we go to tony hello there my name's tony and my occupation is a journeyman gardener which is almost a very small scale farmer my archer's age is tony archer i have a plot question how different will the story have been If Grace had not died, I have a plot observation. How sad is it 
that the current custodian of Brookfield's has little or no gravitas, as opposed to that which his father and his grandfather had. Harsh. Not speculation. As harassment has passed his sergeant's exam, it would be normal in the real world to move to another area to take up mm. a post at his new rank. I have a plot quandary. Oh dear. Does a character die with the death of the actor? I feel no. Joe should go the full century. And I've heard a <laughs> caller in or two that sounded like they could do the job. I have a plot projection. Having the esteemed Paul Copley, excellent actor, on the cast must now mean that there is a task that is beyond the ability of the current members to be able to overcome our sense of disbelief. Thanks for providing this service. Bye for now. Bye. Oh. That's a very slow and deliberative way of speaking, does our Tony. There's a certain level of gravitas and a little mm. hint of menace at the same time. I, I like it. <laughs> I, I, I'm just like, I'm really scared. I'm like, oh, God. I think he's telling you he's in that bloody, he's on the slip road in the van with, <laughs> with Ed. <laughs> Gosh, Tony, oh, we really... <laughs> none of the time in the world would tr help us work out how things would be different if Grace hadn't died. Um, mm. Because we would have had different children. It was, yes, just um, mm. no idea. Um, it sounds like of, a plot from Avengers Endgame. You know, yeah. A bit, bit of time travel and whatever. But anyway, yeah, sorry, I, I jumped in. Um, <clears throat> I do think David has got gravitas. Well, no, he hasn't. That's the wrong word. I think that the nature of the show has now changed so much that in the old days, we would have had Phil and his dad. And as Phil went, as the show progressed with Phil, Phil's decisions were challenged more than his father's had been. Mm. And... It, it, we kind of lost that reverence for the leader of the tribe that uh, we used to have. Uh, and, and you know, as because it is, Ambridge was very feudal and some people would say st still is. Um, but when you don't, you know, you don't have just because he is, you know, uh, him up at the Grange or whatever, uh, the big man. Um, we've lost that reverence. We've lost that kind of... Um, patriarchal sense of you know daddy's in charge and as the show moves on and as 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 it becomes more honest I suppose and slightly less um, uh, preachy maybe um, then we get more of a realistic sense of somebody who's just a normal bloke who's inherited something and it like um, Freddie has to you know sort of struggling to make a business work in 2019 and not mm. always making brilliant choices, not always being the best dad in the world, not always being this sort of arbiter of sense that uh, that the the big that you know the, the 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 main employer in the village would always have been previously been seen as previously. Mm. I, I think I think that's spot on, and I think the other thing to remember is that when the show started, it was the nineteen fifties, and so that age of deference has gone hasn't it and what yep. david archer is is a farmer who's respected uh by other farmers as opposed to people necessarily doffing their caps to him yeah not no, necessarily he's... anyone else but farmers. Yeah. 
you know, I'd completely agree with that. You know, Brian always sees David as a good, solid farmer. There's nothing flaky about what goes on at Brookfield. There's no fads there necessarily, etc., um, as opposed to the stuff that goes on down at Bridge Farm, you know, which is all over the place. You know, David is a respected farmer. He has his um, role with the is it National Farmers Union. He's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it respected as opposed to revered, shall we say? But times have yeah. moved on. Times have moved on, Tony. Please call in again um, and put the willies up me. <laughs> Beg your pardon. And also. Um, <laughs> Uh, yes, you're completely right. Let's hope harassment moves on. No, not really, because then Fallon mm. would go, and I like Fallon too much. Now, let's have a touch of Claire. Claire from Clapham here, two Ooh, weeks in a row. Goodness, I know, that, that, that was I loud. I get in with a bit of a rant that I already rehearsed at my sister's house this afternoon, which <laughs> is comparing uh, overburdened young girls, i.e. Lily and Mia, and their single parents, Elizabeth and Will, uh, was really taken on Friday by the comparison between how they responded. And it was really positive to see how Elizabeth took on the situation with the uh, bailiff and accepted some responsibility and just dealt with it calmly. And Will's really annoying tantrum about, well, I can't be expected to know all this about homework and deadlines and school trips as well as everything else. And I was like, yes, Will, that's what parenting is. That's what simple parenting is. And lots of us do it. And we just get on with it. We don't expect magic miracle women to pick up all the pieces behind us. So a bit of a bit of a reveal into Will's kind of approach there and I hope he gets with the program and sorts himself out and I'm glad that Tracy gave him a what for and I think that was this week anyway mm. um <laughs> sorry to miss you all next week I uh, look forward to getting together and actually I've just made a start on my dumpty dum bunting so it gives me a bit longer to make that <laughs> so catch up with you soon bye bye just to return briefly to James's call mm. um as well uh I, I, yes, I too was worried a bit, James, because I thought this is just going to, Will's going to get off scot-free. And, and as Claire said, you know, he had that big rant, how am I supposed to remember everything? Da, 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 da. And um, sort of, um, I, I, and, uh, and, and it was like Clary, it was like, don't worry, I'll step in and I'll sort it all out. And you think, no, don't come to the rescue again. He's got to sort it out. Otherwise, the situation is never going to change. Mm. Um, but but, so, but yeah. no, there, there's going to be that other element though. The professional is not going to be able to cope there. That's the reason why Phil Philip was mentioned. So he hasn't he hasn't got out of this at all. You know, there, there's more choppy waters ahead for Will Grundy. We have uh, good the, the thing with with Philip, and then we have this math math tutor coming. Yeah, he's going to be given what for. You heard it here first. Also. Uh, the other thing I'd say, Claire, um, it wasn't a reveal because it wasn't like, ha-ha, we didn't know that. We absolutely did know. But anyway, moving swiftly on. Right, that was Actually, our I did, Claire. Hang on, not that swiftly. It did make me laugh when um, Elizabeth <laughs> said to Freddie, um, mm. uh, when Freddie was get, threatening to thump the bailiff, and she mm. said, Freddie, look at me. Blah, 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 blah. And then she said to Lily, Lily, look at me. And it started to sound like Kath and Kim. Have you ever seen Kath and Kim? Nope. 
Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, they're, they're, aren't the they Australian. Aussie, yes, yes, yeah. yes, I have. Yeah. And she, when she's trying to be assertive, she says, "Look at me, look at me." <laughs> 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 I just suddenly saw Elizabeth with a spiral perm. It just really made me laugh. Anyway, carry on. Hmm. And this might be a real nitpicky type of point here, um, but way back when. I've been taken to task for saying that Elizabeth was minted. and Oh, yeah, and she then, just wrote out a cheque for five grand, didn't she? Yeah, and didn't even, <laughs> yeah, didn't even blink. How, Do you take PayPal? The, Can I just swap it over? In fact, I've probably the, got cash. Hang on, move that cushion. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just down the back of the sofa. Yeah. I'll just go through like, the old coats. Oh, there we go. The utter oh. vast majority of yeah. British adults could not... On a, just on a whim, right there and Rustle then, up five settle grand. up yeah. five grand. <clears throat> you know, yes, run down to the bank the next day, make a few phone calls, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, joggle a couple of credit cards. But she very calmly uh, just went, yeah, not at all a problem. So whoever took me to task uh, about two months ago, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> minted, minted. <laughs> <laughs> And there's me saying, okay, she doesn't have liquidity, but she's got it all in asset form. No, she's got the liquidity too. So there you go. Uh, right, that was Claire. Now let's have some magic round at Mungo's. Hi, it's Magic at Mungo's. Funny, I think I may be a first-time caller or another, but I have sent some emails, so I won't go through the spiel. Um, just my general thoughts on this week's Omnibus. Tom, don't fucking call Natasha. She may be a total piece of work, but she asked you not to. It's fucking reasonable to want some space. Mm. Will asking me to do the tease and was bang out of order. And I am so angry that Clary was just going along with it. She didn't even make up for it at the end of the omnibus. It was just a case of she can't see that she has played into Will's hands and has completely enabled him and putting all the pressure on Mia. That mm. little love needs to be whisked off back to her father and that allowed to be a 13-year-old. Absolutely. Jim is an absolute saint for massively trolling Linda and Ross out of the art group meeting. The thought of Susan in the bath with a flag as an act of self-love <laughs> is something else and I'll just leave it there. Elizabeth... Why the fuck are you letting the bait of sin? First rule of keeping your stuff is not to let them over the first old. And also, five grand worth of rent of his? How much was that bougie rent? That he was barely there four months. Mm. Even with feet. So that's complete extortion. And Lily didn't very well in this, but Russ is the grown-up in this, and why isn't he offering to pay the five grand mm. all right love what you do over and out mm. now that is the other point isn't it um that four months three and a half months however long lily was actually up there for five grand this is manchester not mayfair you know it's uh or dare i say yeah, but, this is manchester not london i mean they must have paid some of the rent just not all of it well they would have paid a deposit to get it wouldn't they a deposit and yeah. like a month in advance so yeah. it, it, it just makes, well, 
anyway, makes no sense. Well, yeah. I suppose maybe this, they're claiming that they broke <clears throat> their contract, so they're chasing them for you know for rent, which they weren't even there for. But either way, it, it seemed it seemed a little bit steep. But mm. uh, thank you for your call, uh, Magic at Mungo's. And um, I like the fact that you just threw down the gauntlet and says, you're not going through all that shit of doing your credentials <laughs> because uh, you've already contributed <laughs> to the show. So I say fair play to you and I'll let it go. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's she didn't sound who... like she was in the mood to be trifled with, to be honest. No, though, not so I think at all. Won't. I tell you what, <laughs> Magic at Mungo's and Tony in a room scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I'd be like so, a Sweeney, bloody hell. <laughs> I would not take them pair on at all. Here's someone who's a little bit more cuddlier. It's our Josh, somebody who I want to be when I grow up. Hello, Lucy, Royfield, and everybody in the Dumpty Dum world. This is Josh again from Philadelphia. Uh, Still, several weeks later, uh, reeling off of what was a fantastic Toronto meetup. Uh, Just a whole bunch of great folks that were up there. Uh, Had a great time. And Lucy, regarding the bunting that showed up. I did want to let you know that it is a two-pack of bunting, and there is some more waiting here for you next time you find yourself in our area of the world. Anyway, that being said, I have uh, a new theory this week, which I've actually been holding off on because when I came up with it, it was based on several discussions from the Toronto meetup, a love of true crime, and honestly, probably several pints of strong lager that we had that night. <laughs> had that night. Uh, okay, stay with me here. So we've got we, – we know that through Freddy there is some sort of drug distribution ring going on. We know that through this strange Tim character that there's some sort of shady transportation deal going on. And we know that through Home Farm there's something shady going on inside of there. So I think what we oh. may have here is some sort of drug storage or even creation uh, ring going on in Home Farm, a <gasps> distribution uh, ring going on through Tim and again the already established uh, network uh, through Freddie. So I think what we're coming down to here is a, a huge drug operation. I know it's a stretch but then again who would have thought eight years ago that Helen would have used somebody as a human butcher block. So <laughs> let's see if it pans out. Wow. All right. Uh, thank you so much again for all you do and let's be honest if this does work out part of us Part of me really just wants to imagine uh, Harrison Burns in a Kevlar vest kicking down the door of Home Farm, screaming, <laughs> freeze, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Josh. Hmm. It's like breaking Brian. That's what it would be. <laughs> <laughs> well done. You just think of that gag on the spot. Yes. You are well, good. Of course, I haven't heard his call yet, have I? Um, but yes, no, that'd be excellent. I love that mm. idea. I wish the gills were in it, or if they weren't in it, that they'd clear off so we can have Brian and Jenny back. I don't like the fact that there is a whacking great house in the village filled with people we don't know. It's disturbing. Hmm. Really? Yes. You feel, you feel that bereft, do you? That I do, cheated. yes, because it's like there's... It's like you've got. It's like neighbours have moved in next door, and you don't know who they are, and no one's seen them. I don't like it. Mm. What do you do when you when you moved into your new pile? Did you, did you go round and and uh, introduce yourself properly, um, formally? Well, I thought I can either do the very British thing and wait for something to catch fire, and then go and introduce myself, <laughs> or. 
or some extreme weather event, which also that means you're allowed to talk to your neighbors in this country. If you if some, you get extreme weather of some description, you could say, oh, isn't it cold slash hot slash hailing or something? Um, but on this occasion, my lovely neighbor came round with a bottle of wine and a card mm. and said, I thought you might need the wine. And my other neighbor told me I was putting my so, bins out. So what out. do you do with the card then? You just, just toss the card in the bin in front of them? And neck the wine. No, of course not. It was a very nice card too. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, I thought my neighbour on the other side uh, came out to tell me I was doing my bins all wrong. So it's very British, that is. <laughs> You're doing your bins all wrong. So um, <laughs> that is how I made uh, friends with them. Awesome. Mm. Right. I'm trying to think who, who, who my neighbours are. I ain't got any at the moment. It's because you're never in one place for longer than two and a half minutes. That's what I was going going for, really. But anyway, Josh, lovely to hear from you. And you have started such uh, a soon-to-be hallow tradition of Dum Dum Meetups by people coming coming up with uh, with bunting. So um, super clever. And actually, uh, I looked at it yesterday. Anyway, Josh, uh, well done you. Aww. Now it's Jenna Ravioli who. Um, She's a stateside too, isn't she? Now, I've kind of put your two calls together, Jenna. Here we go. Hey, everyone. It's Jenna in Hudson Valley of New York. I'm at Jenna Ravioli with one N in Jenna. Um, It's been a while because I have wanted to say something that now feels appropriate as Tom's world is coming crashing down. Um because I'll probably be wrong and I'll probably be proven wrong very quickly. But I just like, is it not possible that Natasha, I don't know why Natasha was introduced. I don't know why Tom and Natasha got married quickly. I don't know why anything really did happen. I don't understand anyone's motivations. Um, And I'm so much newer to Ambridge than so many of you that I learned that I am always wrong, but, but hear me (laughs) out. Is it not possible that Natasha just made a bad choice and it didn't take very long for her to know that like everything that was happening was something that was wrong. Like where every situation, every conversation she was in, every possibility. Um, I disagree with her like ideas on lifestyle, but I also think she at least knew herself well enough to know she had to, make a change i don't know where it's going i don't know how much longer this is going to go on i don't it's sort of interesting i don't know if it's interesting i don't know what do you guys think all right talk to y'all soon bye bye hi guys it's jenna ravioli again i just need to know like why the bunting why now or does it mean anything does bunting have any mean i don't i (laughs) i have to confess that I'm of such a new vintage that I, I honestly wasn't even really here when it disappeared. Um, and I only, I'm thankful that you guys have brought it up a thousand times that I even knew it existed. Um, <laughs> but the only things I can deduct are like, so it was stolen on Fallon's, on Emma's head night. Fallon made it, it was stolen on M- Emma's head night. So what's it with like things happening on people's bachelor and and bachelorette nights and stuff because that's when that's when freddie got arrested and whatever and then like that llama and whatever there's <laughs> a lot of things happening um oh tom's only gonna not be staying married because he didn't really have one whatever anyway 
why the budging? Why now? Um, I really do hope that this just continues to go on forever, that there's like no, there's no plan for it to come to a conclusion. Okay. Thanks. With well, the bunting. I'm going to jump in with, with bunting talk first, and then I'll leave the floor open to you, Freeman. Uh, the bunting is fan service. And um, the it, it's almost almost doesn't matter who stole the bunting now the bunting gets referred to obliquely weirdly sporadically and if you are a fan a real fan it's a deep cut and you go haha they haven't forgotten the bunting that's what it is you know it's just like in avengers endgame when captain america picks up thor's hammer everybody in the cinema stands up and applauds and cheers because yeah. you've gone through the movies where he tried to pick it up before and the, and the, and the hammer wobbled because only someone who is worthy can pick it up. It didn't get referenced, he didn't get referenced at all until he actually picked it up to, you know, to whack it at Thanos and everybody goes, yes, you've earned that whoop and holler because you're a fan. So the fact that, you know, bits of bunting are, are turning up now, it's total fan service, and I love every delicious moment of it. That's what it is. Over to you, Freeman. Uh, do you one want of the to deconstruct reasons, the rest of our call? One of the reasons I love you, Roy Fobran, is that you've just managed to compare Thor's hammer with the bunting. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> it's- yes, I'm sure it is. But I don't think it was stolen on Emma's hen night. I think it was uh, Fallon made it for the vintage fair the yeah, village fair, fair that they had yes. it started yeah. all that vintage bollocks which is how we've ended up with the sodding bridge farm tea room um vintage just means Don't a bit mean smelly upcycling Lucy. sorry upcycling yes not bollocks um upcycled bollocks um <laughs> so it it wasn't anything to do it was the llama that went missing on emma's tea yes. on emma's stag um, hen do we, we're saying some very odd things in this in this episode. That wasn't Emma's that, uh, hen do. That was... Um, Fallon's. Uh, Fallon's, Fallon's yes. Sorry. Mm. Um, uh, but I think it was stolen three years ago, three or four years ago. And mm. it's kind of been used as an... Ind- it's been used as many sort of metaphors for things, one of which is a, a harassment's total incompetence in that he couldn't find it. <laughs> and now even Fallon's getting testy about it, saying, we have got more important things to do than look for the bunting. Um, and now, as someone pointed out last week in the tweets of the week, that it is turning up like a corpse, you know, a severed corpse, bits of it appearing all over Ambridge. Um, <laughs> so, yes, it, that's the history of the bunting, briefly. A brief history of bunting. But, um, yes, as Royfield said, it has become so much more than that. And it is a little side wink to us every time it gets mentioned. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Lucy. Ooh, uh, there's an email of the week. An email of the week. There's an email. Um, Pip Deval. Okay. I am Pip, not Archer. I think I'm a love triangle since I clearly remember my first episode <laughs> as Emma's Hindu when she married Will. Um, I properly sobbed in my kitchen this evening over Friday's episode with Mia's confession. I still think George is a thief. Yep, me too. And have done since Alf Grundy was accused of taking money a couple of years ago. He's definitely a wrong'un and I just cannot muster any sympathy for Will at all. Though I do now think this is a wake-up call for Will. He'll step back at work and give Pete his job back. I'd also like Mm. to say Tom is a complete tool and no matter how awful Natasha ends up being, he is worse. Mm. I think you're probably very right on all those things, Pip. I reckon that George Grundy is going to end up being the new Clive Horobin. Yeah. 
He's yep. just going to be proper evil and a wrong one, isn't And it? also they that, haven't introduced him yet because he's still too young to be properly evil. And it makes you yeah. feel a bit uncomfortable when you don't like a child. Apart from Henry, mm. that's completely allowed. But, um, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they have to wait until he can be a thug, you know. Mm. Yeah. George Grundy. We are going to grow to hate him something chronic. Okay, so um, we've uh, we've made good time with this show, Lucy. I know you've got things to do. Right, so it's time for me to say this. Uh, if you're in the UK, if you're in the US, uh, you might get an advert now. If not, it's straight on to our yokel bear with his social media roundup. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Dumpty Dum, it's Yoko Bear here calling with the Social Media Roundup. Normally when I do this social media roundup, I write a little script, I write some notes, but this time I haven't had time to do that. So we're going without a safety net. Um, I'm going to go, what's the phrase? That's right, I'm going to go commando on this one. So I'm literally just flicking through the Facebook page as we speak. Now let's talk about the big news in Ambridge, the one big news of the week, the huge news that overshadowed everything else. The reappearance of two bits of bunting. We <laughs> asked you, what is your favourite bunting conspiracy theory? Gillian <laughs> Corrigan says, it's Kathy <laughs> trying to get someone to notice that she still lives in the village. <laughs> yeah, maybe a cry for help. John Featonby said, it's little Georgie. Don't know how or why, but that lad's a ticking time bomb. Yep. The tumble tussock doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> um, well, yes, because of the money, we thought it was George. Um, but that turned out to be Mia. So I'm not sure anymore. Alex Townsend said, the way the script writers are warping the character, it'll be Alan who did it as a dare to boost his street cred at the <laughs> annual Tarts and Vickers convention. <laughs> Oh, now that's one for Lower Loxley. That'll get the crowds in. Bless you. Jane Evans 
Um, actually raises a really interesting point. She says, I have an issue with the condition of the bunting. Surely if someone stole it, they would have kept it hidden away, so it wouldn't be in the kind of state that you'd expect it if it had been hung outside for weeks. If the thief had done that, then it would have been spotted sooner. You see my dilemma? Yes, I do. Maybe it's been in plain sight all the time. But they said it was mouldy, though. I don't know. You think, though, if it was in plain sight... Um, Harrison would have seen it as the local copper. Oh, mind you, hold on. He's always in the shop and the cafe and not actually doing his job. So probably not. Drew Hamilton said, it's the people from the Toronto meetup. They posted a picture with it on Facebook. Yes, Drew, I think you got them banged to rights. And Leslie Greaves very succinctly puts and very topically puts it as H did it. Ah. Yes, that's right. But who's H? Mind you, it's the last episode of Line of Duty tonight. So we find out. Or maybe we won't. Anyway. Right. Hands up who enjoyed the church art project meeting. I thought it was one of my highlights of the week. (laughs) Jim's mischief, Russ's pretension, and Linda saying, avant-garde. Oh, mind you, that's more Welsh, isn't it? Anyway, the way that (laughs) Linda pronounced it was just brilliant. Witherspoon, our very own Witherspoon, said, if this were an episode of Midsummer Murders or um, Agatha Raisin, Linda would have been found in her garden, impaled by a paint paintbrush with a note attached, saying, you called that art? <laughs> oh, God, Witherspoon, don't give the script writers ideas. But we asked the question of, what would you suggest as art for the, the church art project? Jonathan Hartley says, a mirror. So Shula can stand in front of it and claim, me, me, it's all about me. <laughs> and Vic and Joanne Boyd, well, they said, Shula? Why, the art of hypocrisy, of course. <laughs> See what they did there? Art of hypocrisy. Nice one. On a separate note, the award for prediction of the week um, being correct goes to Christine Coulson. When we asked about, did Georgie take the money... Um, Christine said, my money is on Mia for essentials or sanitary product or Poppy's haircut. Well, that's close enough in my opinion, um, because it was actually for uh, Poppy's zoo visit. I thought my most, the most touching moment of the week, I thought, was the conversation between Freddie and Leonard in the attic. And by the way, what are all those paintings doing up there? They've got an art gallery and... (laughs) Nigel's old collections of paintings upstairs. Christ, what else are they keeping in that attic? Anyway, I thought the conversation between um, Freddie and Leonard was really lovely. It was highlight of the week. Um, But we asked the the question, do you think Leonard would end up being the father figure that Freddie needs? Yeah. Alex Russell said, it was lovely and Leonard's compassion was very touching. It's what Freddie needed. I'm really warming to Leonard. He's a much more rounded character than he first appeared. Um, Jean Bell said, Leonard is a very open and warm-hearted grandfather figure for um, Freddie. Long may their friendship last. Janice Betson said, simply said, um, Leonard is lovely, isn't he? Zoe Picton said, uh, Freddie is often a hate figure in discussions, but I have always liked him. Not always liked what he's done. Um, think he has a caring, vulnerable side. Leonard brings out the best of, it in, of it in him. Sorry. 
But keeping up the dumpty-dum tradition of real cynicism about our favourite docudrama, Laura Jackson said, Leonard will gain Freddy's trust, then fence Nigel's paintings. Yeah, maybe he's a bit too nice. What's, what's he hiding, eh? And finally, um, I was genuinely gobsmacked at how laid back um, Elizabeth was when the Mm. bailiffs turned up at her door. Um, As I said in one of my posts, if I'd done that to my mother, she would have bollocked me into six ways of Sunday. So I was quite surprised that, you know, um, Elizabeth was ending up apologising to Lily. Audrey-Anne DC said, Elizabeth is working under the assumption that Lily dropped everything and came home to help when in fact she was running away from her problems. Yeah, that's um, that's possibly true. Kathleen Rowlandson said, um, Elizabeth's all, been, uh, all, all but ignoring Lily for months now, while Lily has been doing her best to hold the whole thing together. It was time that Elizabeth was nice to her. Anna Kenyon said, I got a strong strong sense that Lizzie was happy that someone else had screwed up and was glad to be able to help. It suddenly wasn't all about her or Freddie. And Hazel Johnson gave me a bit of a telling off. She said, but Lily saved the day by returning from uni to run the place. Give her a break. Yeah, you're probably right there, Hazel. I am probably being a little bit tough there. Anyway, that's the completely unscripted and unrehearsed social media roundup <laughs> of the week. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, you've got the lovely Millie Bell next week. And so it's bye from me. Bye. Bye bye. Bye 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 bye. All right, mirror headlines, go. This is a good one. This is actually from the Daily Mail. <clears throat> uh, ready? It's a long mm-hmm. one. I'm ready for the hateful headline from that hateful rag. Former Freemason found drunk and naked inside pipe organ with toy gun remote-controlled police car. <laughs> Says he got lost while trying to hand out cheeseburgers to the homeless. There you go. <laughs> Please tell me that made the front of the Daily Mail. Nowhere near. Oh, right, do you want to read to the week now? Yes, please. Her Holiness Pope Mrs Trellis I said, <laughs> I took it. Talk what, Mia? The money. I took the money from Mum's fund. Oh, thank fuck for that. I thought you meant Cecil's undercrackers. The Grundies have a fine (laughs) tradition of being thieving twats, Mia, but no Grundy would ever take a man's undercrackers. Michelle Paul. I can sniff out Roggins. I love Tracy Horobin. I wanted to have her own spin-off show called The Number One Horobin Detective Agency. (laughs) Archer's Goddess. Will Grundy is from one of those now-banned TV adverts where the bloke can't use a washing machine. Absolutely. Uh, Ruth Arian. I wish the art, I wish the scriptwriters would stop making really excellent storylines of delicate subject matters with first-class acting. It's a nightmare for us all to make funny tweets about. You're telling me, and I've got to make a bloody monologue out of it. And Tweet of the Week. Short and sweet. John Featonby. Tim O.T. McCoatface. He turns up and you get porridge. Hey, well done. Well done. Ah, oh, loose. Um, we, we've had to do this show at a, a, at a bit of a clip uh, because you've got to nip out and I've got a recording in Uruguay 
to do in about approximately Ooh. 13 minutes. So I don't have go. much time to say. Exactly, exactly. So I've got to quickly say dumdydum.com. Go there. It's got awesome things which you can do. There's also got a shop. You can buy some stuff. And um, and if you were regretting that you couldn't come to Dumdy Dum Live in November, what you can do is uh, go to dumdydum.com forward slash shop, get your swag, buy it, and then turn up in it in November, November the 9th. So you've got a whole load of time to mix and match your wardrobes, see what you can accessorize your Dumpty Dum t-shirt with, etc, uh, etc. Et so go on to dumptydum.com. Um, now, uh, we are going to next week, not this week, but next week, we're going to thank all those lovely people that have written us a review on Apple iTunes, because that is the premier, the premium, the best way uh, for you to help to support our podcast by writing us a review because then we might get into those itunes uh top charts but also what it really means is that other people get to know about the wonderful world that is dum-de-dum this world of archers fandom which we lovingly create and curate for you so why don't you go to apple yes. uh podcast go write a review and maybe next week or the week after we'll do a roll call of people that have written us a review in the last few weeks uh now lucy is there a bit in red that mentions patreon um, I don't know because I've shut down the script. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Patreon.com, folks, go there. It, um, you can give us $2 per show. And as of when we nab an actor or somebody important to uh, to give us uh, an interview, we will interview them and we'll just give it just to you, just to the Patreon. So if you want uh, behind-the-scenes access to the stars, to the actors, the people that help make the wonderful show that is The Archers, sign up to Patreon, give us $2 per episode, and then you'll get extra content. Uh, is there anything else written in red? Because I'm not even looking at the script, are Lucy? Um, I don't know, because as I said, I've shut Remember it down. to get in contact. Yes, you can send it. us a the message via SpeakPipe <laughs> on the website or call us on 0203-0313105 to leave us a message on a phone to get onto the show. Because without you, it's just kind of tumbleweed or it's just me talking about the Avengers and Captain America and Thor's Hammer and <laughs> fan service and, and things like that. And Lucy talking about going around to meet her neighbours for the first time and drinking their posh bottle of red plonk that they brought around to say hi now uh you can find me royfield and lucy uh at dum dum well we're not really dum dum that's kind of yokel bear um better and he's yeah because he's awesome on the twitters so if you want to go into dum uh, if you want to go onto twitter follow at dum dum you get yokel bear or you can just do at yokel bear lucy's found at Lucy V. Freeman. And, and Robert, I... Robert is at, um, at Naked Fingers. And you need to follow him if you don't already at the moment because he's doing very funny conspiracy theories involving the archers and line of duty. He has managed to merge the two almost completely in his mind. And his theories are getting wilder and more ambridge as he goes along. Awesome. <laughs> um, I haven't watched a stitch of that, you know. And no, I, I think neither. I'm going to cut... Have you not watched any of Line of Duty? No. Oh, goodness. I thought you'd, that would have been right up your street. Okay. Yeah. Ah, you surprised me. Anyway, and I can be found at Royfield if you can be fussed. Uh, on Facebook, uh, just type in Dumdy Dum and you'll find Dumdy Dum on Facebook. It just works like that. Right, Lucy, <laughs> we've got, uh, <laughs> we got nine minutes right. uh, before you need to run out the door. No, no, so no. I'm you can to run out the door now. I was supposed to go one Right. Minute Look at that for timing then. Okay. That, that's me that's saying the first goodbye. Time we've listener. ever finished on time. Amazing. Uh, that's not true. Imagine that. Nicole won't start now or something. <laughs> All right. Take care. 
See you. See you later Bye. next week. Oh, see you later next week. See you. See you later, listener. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. See you later. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.